0: We'd be sober and, and, and we'd be attending a meeting now, all the right? So listen to Dolly Abbott and give you something to take home and keep you sober for another 24. Thanks, John. Okay. Thank you, buddy. Hello, everyone. My name is Dolly Abbott, and I am an alcoholic. Hi, Dolly. It. Hi. It's good to be with you tonight. It is good to be with you. I love the energy. Here's a beautiful meeting, huh? The world-famous Hangover World. Famous uh, it is helped a lot of souls through the years, huh? A lot of people got saved right here down in these rooms, huh? Like in all the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're about saving souls. Mm-hmm. Please help me with the serenity. God, grant well, me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can I'm moving things around, you know, straightening things up. i got to let go of this control, you know. Um, uh, my sobriety date is October 6th, 2002. I have a sponsor. She's here, Chris Heidel. You know my home group. I tell you that because those are three very important things. They told me that that's what I need to be a member of Good Standing and Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm proud. I am blessed. I am extremely grateful to tell you I have a sobriety day. It's been a long time coming. Hmm. But I believe that I had to do everything I had to do. I had to take every drink I had to take. You see, I had to be badly mangled before I could humble myself enough to say a sincere prayer and to take some simple direction from another. I grew up in an alcoholic family. My father was alcoholic. My mother was not. Very simply put, my father was always having fun. That's what it seemed like to me. He was very irresponsible. There were fights in the home and my mother was always mad. My mother was always mad. As I grew up, I didn't know who to blame. I didn't know if I should. My father I was really convinced that he certainly didn't love me because why wouldn't he get sober for me? You see, I didn't understand alcoholism. And my mother, I was so angry at her, I would blame her throughout the rest of my life for everything that would go wrong, you know. I got into the blame game very early, because she couldn't handle the problems, and I seemed to look to her to handle the problems. So I would blame her for everything. I was 14 years old when I had my first drunk, went to a party. There were kids there that were older than me. All these guys, they look so good, you know, they're older, and, and I wanted to impress them, and I wanted them all to like me, and the girls, they look so good, and I didn't measure up. I didn't feel comfortable with myself. I was certain they had more than I had. Do you know? But I don't act like that. You know I don't act like that. Good actress, right from the beginning. So I don't know. Right before my right before my first drink, I'm being driven by fears, And I don't even know it. You know, that's the amazing thing. Well, I'll tell you something. I got drunk, and I stepped right out of myself. My fears just went away. I was the best thing that ever happened at that party. The best thing. I'm telling you. You had to see me that night, huh? I was the best dancer. You know it. It was my solution. It solved everything. I moved real easy about that Uh, That's what I will remember. I love the effect of alcohol. I'll put it even simpler to you. I love the buzz. I love being high. Period. Love it. Just love it. And I fell in love with it that night. Now I'll tell you the truth. I blacked out. I threw up all over the place. And I passed out. That's the truth. But I don't remember anything like that. You see, I remember how it made me feel. Mm -hmm i become really preoccupied with alcohol after that. And, you know, you you hear it all the time. On weekends, I just, that's what I want to do. We're going to drink. I want that healing over and over again. In fact, you know, uh, I I almost became preoccupied is a good good word we'll use at this point. And I'm doing it every weekend. Um, You know, I'm in Catholic school at the time. I get kicked out of one Catholic school. You know, I'm very defiant. You know, uh, I don't listen to rules. I I seem to do things my way, and that's very early on. And and that existed prior to me crossing that line into alcoholism that I believe happened later on, you know. um, And I get kicked out of one school. I'm in another Catholic school, and I don't listen. I do what I want to do. There's a spiritual retreat going on. I'm downstairs in the basement of the Catholic school with my friends who are just like me because we party. We're cool. We—that's what we do. That's what we enjoy doing. They're my best buddies. I love them. I'm part of them. We're like a gang. You know what I mean? We do this. I love it. Always wanted to be part of. Found my peeps. Found my people. No, I'm serious. I found them. Love them. I'll die for them. They'll die for me. You know that—that—that that, that was my thinking. You know. Huh? <laughs> and um, uh, I'll tell you, we're drinking, I'm up there, you know, I'm drinking beer, I found the nun's beer, I like that one, drinking beer, and uh, my legs are up on the table smoking, you know, having a great time, and I got caught, They sent me to a psychiatrist, and I'll tell you, well, I had more detentions than anyone in this school, I told you, I'm defiant, you know, and, and uh, they sent me to the psychiatrist because they figure now she's drinking. My mother is really upset. <laughs> and I remember I go to the psychiatrist, it was a very simple solution. The, I lied. I mean, that's what we do. I lied. I told the man, it's the first time I ever, I ever drink. He believed me. It's good. It's all good. Huh? He just told the nuns I was experimenting. And uh, my mother believed it. Everybody believed it. They're happy. I'm happy. I go my merry way. You know, I will, con- that lie, <laughs> I will continue that behavior the rest of my drinking career. I always lie about how much I drank or how much I did anything. I never told the truth. I always minimize. I just didn't want you to know. You know, I'm a big drinker. You know what I mean? Um, everything's great. I end up, you know, and I'll fast forward. I get into college. I love college. I arrive. This is the college. This is perfect. Kent State 1970. Wow. I mean, do you remember? Can you, so are, you guys have seen young. Well, let me tell you about Kent State, anti-war demonstrations, anti-government don't trust anybody over the age of 30, we're going to overthrow everything, we're drinking, we're partying, I'm in. This is easy for me. You see, I always was contrary. It's almost by my nature that I could do the wrong thing a lot easier than the right thing. I don't know why that is. I do know I'm backwards, I'll talk about that a little later. All right. But you know, this is easy. I love it. I'm free. I'm an adult. Parents aren't around. Boy, I'm responsible. I'm growing up. This is cool. Holy cow. I'll tell you something. Um, I do get out of school. I uh, get a good job. Um,
1: my husband,
0: he gets a good job. I married this man, okay? I got, guess what? I married the man that had that party when I was 14 years old. And I was drunk. That's how much I stepped out of myself. I actually married the guy that hosted that party, huh? So, yeah, but that's, I tell you that for a reason. You know, that's the story of my relationships, and I just got off on that. See, that's what happens. I see you. Aha, I feel something. Oh, I feel it. There's the love of my life. I act upon it immediately, and then I think about it sometimes for the next 20 years in deep regret. You know, I think I'm backwards. I think I'm backwards. I think normal people think about something first, you know, before they plow into it. Huh? They, you know, they think about it, right? They get into the, Would you like to go for coffee? You know, something like that, I guess. And then, uh, you know, then they have a feeling. I'm just the opposite and this, this I just told you I wrapped up my relationships right then and there that's exactly what happened he's doing good I think I'm doing good it's like white picket fence time the American dream is on we both got good jobs here's a problem though I'm drinking every day see I'm beginning to drink every day and I'm a black out drinker and every day and I'm going to tell you it's about as simple as this I want to go out I want to go out but I don't like to stay home and drink. I go out, and I don't want him with me. He ain't cramping my style. I don't want to drink and have fun. Oh, but I still want to be married. You know, I, I, I want—I want him there. It's good security. You know, but I want my freedom too. That's another conflict that I will live with—conflict, conflict, conflict—my conflict. whole life is nothing but conflict, dilemmas. I'm a blackout drinker. I'm the woman that goes down to the bars here in Cleveland. I'm passed out on sidewalks, huh? I come to in parking lots. Eight in the morning. Thank God I, my car was running. The heat was on. It's the dead of winter. Uh, you got the picture, huh? I'm a blackout drinker. Right. I'm a drunk. I have crossed the line into alcoholism, and I don't know it. I don't know it. I had many car accidents. I'm going to tell you about one. Coming around Dead Man's Curve and I have this sports car. Oh, yeah, I had a sports car. I look good on the outside, you know. I had some money in my pocket. I got to tell you, it wasn't mine. It was my husband's and anybody else who gave me any money. You know, I live off other people's money pretty good. I spend all my money. You know that. You know, I worked all my life and couldn't make a living. You know, when I got sober, one of the first things that happened was to give myself a raise, you know. Money, money just happened to be there a little bit more. I'm coming around Deadman's Man's Curve one night, and there's a semi in front of me. And uh, make it very simple, that little sports car hit that semi and went right underneath the back of it. And it stopped right there, right at the windshield. It stopped. Hmm? California speakers talk about inches and in seconds. I think us here in Akron and Cleveland talk about the grace of God. That, car, that truck drugged me three miles and I didn't know it. Huh? I'm sitting in the car thinking I hit a wall. That's what I'm thinking. I don't realize I'm moving. I don't realize anything. I look up and I see this big wall and here's my reaction. Wow, you hit a wall. It's about as simple as that. I threw that car in reverse twice to try to back it up off that wall. It didn't move, of course. And um, I remember there was a stillness in that car that I that I'll never forget. I am literally almost underneath the whole car. There I cannot hear movement. I cannot hear any noise. There was a stillness that was profound. And I remember I'm thinking, because, you know, if you leave me with my thinking, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I think I'm on a wall, you know. <laughs> I wake up in crazy places, you know. Um, um, I say, um, I, I I reach to um, open the door to step out, And I heard a voice way deep down inside that said, just say, the police will come, and I listen. Thank you, God. The police did come. Jumped out of that car like, hey, like I was at a party. Like a party. I said, hey, how are you? Did I hurt anyone? They said no. They were very kind. They gave me no tickets. They were just so happy that I was alive. I always lived on the kindness of other people. But I couldn't see that because I'm a user of people. I use people. I love things. I play, you pay. Unfortunately, I played a lot. My mother paid dearly for it they brought me to the police department for I could call, get a ride home I look over and I see that car under there and I'll tell you something here's the thought that enters my mind I don't think my poor husband he's going to have to now pay for that car out of his pocket because I dropped the insurance last week I needed my money for something else you know I figure you know how we juggle all my life I juggle you know, I'm not paying this bill. I'm not paying that bill. Pay a little bit. Here, take here. Skip this one. Holy cow. I'm right. Like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like tired of this. Can't even keep up with it. I look over that car and I don't think, I don't think my poor husband, he's going to have to pay for that car. Here's my thought. Wow, am I in trouble. Wait till they find this one out. Especially about no insurance. Huh? You see, I'm always concerned about myself. I am unable to think about other people and I don't even know it. I think that's normal. I love Dr. Silkworth. We don't know the true from the false. I believe at this point that the way I'm living is normal, that the way I'm thinking is normal. I concede to you that maybe I get a little out of hand at times, but I'm okay. You see, I'm first, you're second. I don't even know where God is. Who's thinking about God? Because I'm a very intelligent person. I was more intelligent before I came here. I used to be real intelligent. God was so far out there, I do not even know what happened. You know what I mean? I'm an agnostic. And I'm bright. So intelligent, I almost ended up in the graveyard. I went to, I'm just going to fast forward. You know, oh, oh. The police did bring me to the police uh, to the police department. And I go to the and, and I lay down in the cell because I was so intoxicated, waiting for my ride. The officer closed the, the doors and I went berserk. I thought, wait a minute, do you know who I am? I don't even know who I am, right? Wait, do you know I mean, I'm really thinking this. This is not a joke. You can't do this to me. Do you know who I am? I know my civil rights. Open this door. I am screaming like a nut. The officer says, please, please shut up. We don't want to arrest you. I thought I had him, you know. I thought I was winning the fight now. I went more in my great argument. I was arrested for disorderly conduct. You have to know you're an alcoholic when you're arrested behind bars, you know. I mean, the society's safe. I'm even safe. You know, I don't know what threat I was to anyone, you know, but I do know something today. I was unable to control my emotional nature. I run on emotions. Dolly does what she wants to do. Dolly says what she wants to do. That is it. I am selfish to the core. To the core. I love the big book, Extreme Example of Self Will Run Right. What does that word extreme mean the worst of the lot? I don't know, man. I think it does, huh? Extreme example, and that's how I would live my life, totally on self-will. I do what I want to do. I get what I want to get, and I think it's going to be all right. I think it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Um, I end up in 11 treatment centers in my life. And um, I'm not going to even tell you about the first four. Because I'm always running the treatments. You know, because I think, you know, at this time I'm trying to control my drinking. I do want to, you know, so I always think, well, let me just go dry out a little bit and start over. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to start over. I'm always going to start over. Um, I should tell you at this time that it was during this period of time that I'm an alcoholic, and, I, and I'm an alcoholic that does anything you put in front of me. And I'm going to tell you one thing, and maybe some of you can identify with this. If you're an al- alcoholic, you should never do drugs. Oh, my God, we should never do drugs. Because I, you know how I did drugs, huh? Oh, my God, the way I drank. But I'm an alcoholic that did anything you put in front of me. Because, you see, when I'm drinking, I do absurd things. You know, I'm going to bring you up, I get in another relationship guess what, it's no surprise that second relationship ends up just like the first one they leave, they run, they're far away get out of my life huh? you see because what I still didn't know, you know the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous says that if when I take a drink I am unable to control the amount I take or drink or if when I seriously want to quit I cannot quit entirely,
1: I am probably
0: an alcoholic. And then it says after that, if that be the case, that I'm suffering from a malady or an illness, it says that only a spiritual experience will conquer. Well who knew that? You know. That's what I will learn there. But I'm going to tell you back down by back out there, I knew for sure I could handle this. You know, I used a lot of ways. You know, I, I'll tell you, I figure I'm too young to quit. I know when to quit. You know, I figure I'll quit when I'm 30. I'll quit when I'm 40. Hey, I'll definitely quit when I'm 45. 50, it's done. It's done at 50. Remember that definition. Nice I obviously wanting to. So, From the year 2000 to the year 2002, the year 2000, I'll enter the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, not for the first time, but I'll say for the first significant time, because those other treatment centers, the four previous, I just walk in and walk right out. You know, I hear everybody talk. I heard this woman, you know, I'm up there. She said she had a DUI. And she came to AA and changed her life. And thank you, Jesus. And this is how twisted I am. My first AA meeting up, up, up there, up uh, on the east side. I'm standing back there, and I'm thinking, "This. Oh my God, that's all she did. When she comes here and changed I did a lot more than that. These people are nuts. You know, they're. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh huh. See, I'm cool. I still had that cool mentality. I'll tell you, it was wiped out. It was smashed out. It was smashed out. Year 2000 to 2002, I'll enter Laura Wood Hospital seven times. And um, I'm coming to Alcoholics Anonymous now because my job has finally caught up with me. And they send me here on papers, labor relations. And I come very resentfully because you know what a good worker I am. Hmm? I should have been fired the first day. I never quit using. Never quit using. I, 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 hey, I, I was dedicated. I didn't skip a beat, man. I didn't miss a day. You see, because I was unable to. Sound alcoholic. You see, alcohol is my solution. <clears throat> of course, I can't quit. But I don't know that yet. Year 2000, year 2002, I'm in Laura Wood Hospital seven times. Every time I come out of that treatment center, huh, and I'm coming to Alcoholics Anonymous regularly, boy, was that something. One foot in AA and one foot out there. It's a hell. It is a living hell. You know, there are times I wanted so bad what you had, but couldn't get it. Just couldn't put those dots together. Mm-hmm. And then there were times I couldn't stand you. Huh? Because I I, 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 it was a trip. It was a real trip. It was a hell. I don't ever want to be back there. I don't ever, you know. I don't think dying is the worst thing in the world. For me, I think dying is for me to go back to that old way of life, and I can't get back to you. You see, that to me is true death—that I would have to live out there and not get back to you. Uh uh-uh. uh uh-uh. I'd rather die. Every time I come out of that treatment center, my thinking just goes something like this, and it's very simple. I just got to do one. I can't sleep tonight. I'm too nervous. I don't feel good. I, you know, I got an obsession. Oh, yeah. Major obsession, huh? And my obsession, the book says, is that someday I will drink as norm, other people, normal people do. And, and that translates to me as just one. They won't know. I'll come back tomorrow, sit down, talk to my sponsor, lie, you know, the whole bit. They'll never know. And you know what happens. You see, I'm an alcoholic. As soon as you put something in me, as soon as something I ingest, anything that uh, alters my mind, something happens to me. And I do more and more. And I can't stop, no matter how badly I want to stop. It is impossible for me to stop on my own power. So I go back to another treatment center. Where else am I going to go? Of course, you invited me. You've always invited me to sit down, shut up, and listen. That maybe I hear something. That maybe I could pick up these beautiful tools. Mm-mm. Mm-mm.
1: See, because I don't
0: understand alcoholism, I keep thinking that if I go to the treatment center and and I just detox from this stuff, that I can come back here and I'll be okay. You see, because uh, I don't know about the thinking disease. There's a paragraph in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous I can't Quoted, but it says our hopeless condition it doesn't say it exactly like that but it talks about our alcoholic mentality being our hopeless condition. There it is it's a thinking problem and we do know that huh? I will keep picking up that first drink thinking it's going to be different, thinking it's going to be different, that I have control over it. The every form of experience, I can't believe it in fact. Well I'll tell you my last admission at Laura Wood Hospital that doctor says to me Dolly, you don't listen. I like that. I don't listen. And he says to me, and if you don't listen to me this time, he says, don't ever bother to come back here and ask for help. And I got a major resentment. I'm a very twisted and sick one. Here's what I'm thinking. Well, what do you mean don't come back here and ask? Well, what's wrong with you? You let everybody else in this center 50 million times. You get paid. What's wrong with me? Wow. That's where I'm at. That's how sick I'm getting. You know, I'm getting so sick. I could be driving home and I go, oh, it's treatment center time. Let's go check in. I'm putting myself in asylums. They used to call in the big book. They go,
1: and I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right. I'm
0: put. I'm putting myself in sanitariums. I think I'm all right. Oh my God! You know, um, that man says, "Don't bother ever to come and, and call me again." And if I don't listen, now he wanted me to go to outpatient, uh, you know, treatment. Oh please! I've been there a few times. I could teach it. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, really? Okay, would you like me to teach it this time? You know, I'm arrogant. You see, here's my problem. I can't listen. You see, I know everything. Huh? I'm the yeah, but kid. I understand, but. You see, I'm different than you. Hmm? You don't understand me. My mind power is great. It was hard for me and for all of us to admit that our self-will is of no avail. It is something that is so contrary to our natures that its it, we have to be badly beaten, many of us. Well, I'll tell you, I come out of that hospital with the major resentment. You know I didn't listen to a thing he said. And I came out and that thought entered my mind and I picked up that first night. And you know the rest of the story, right? And like clockwork, I was almost dead. I was almost dead. A short period of time, a uh, short period of time after, and uh, I, and I thought I was going to die physically. You know, I'd lost much weight, and I won't describe. You could imagine what I looked like. And at this time, I'm living with my mother, who's 87 years old. Hmm? You see, that second relationship I was in get out of my life. You know, people want to live life. I think about, about it. You see, I, I sit on the couch thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I have great thoughts. You see, my thoughts tell me I'm straightening up tomorrow. Wait till you see what I do tomorrow. Come on, let's go out. We'll blow everything we have tonight. Tomorrow we get sober. See, that, that's what I think I can do. I think I have that power that I could just do this. you know? Needless to say, I called that doctor again. It was within a month or so, a couple months. And I begged him, please let me in. And I meant it this time. Well, who knows? That's not my story, so I'm not getting interjected. I'll just tell you my story. I believed I meant it. Uh, I said, please let me in. I'm going to die. Please, please. And he said, no. And he said, now I'm going to pray for you. And he meant it. Thank you, I think I would have went to those treatment centers revolving door until I died. This is my story. I had nowhere to go. Nowhere. I dropped out of Alcoholics Anonymous and nobody was calling me and nobody wanted me around. Hmm. The only person I have now is my mother who's 87 years old. And she can't even talk anymore. And that's all she could do is sit in a chair and say to rosary. and I'm running into that house like a maniac. Like a maniac. Doing exactly what I wanted to do. trampling people. See, I use people. I'm a taker. You know. We don't know what we don't know. Huh? And um, my father had died about a year previously. And I remember I was there and I uh, was late to my father's funeral. I was late. I made my mother late to my father's funeral. Because I had to do something in it before I went to that funeral. Oh, I can't, you think I could go to a funeral all day? To me first. I walked in that house cocky sexy. I knew I was late and my defenses were already up. And she was sitting in that in that, within that room, sitting in that kitchen, waiting to go to her husband's funeral. And I walked in and said, don't worry about it, we're not that late. See, because I know I'm really wrong inside. So all my character defects, you know, they're going to come out. You know, I love the 12 and 12. The chief activator of all my defects is self you know, A lot of guilt, shame, and remorse with that. Well, I'll tell you, that doctor said no. And I didn't know what to do. I had nowhere to go, literally. I heard something that you guys had said, and I'd always hear you say, because we plant seeds, don't we? We just plant seeds. We just throw them out there, huh? We don't know who they're going to hit, whose mind it's going to go. I have no idea. Just throw them out there. It could be something so stupid. Or something that's insignificant to the majority might be very significant to one individual. We just have no way of knowing that's not our job. See, that's God's That's God's job. We just throw the seeds. And I heard y'all talk about a sincere prayer. Prayed all my life. Well, most of my life, you know, the jackpot God, I'm laying on the couch, please get me sober. Never get up and take an action. I don't do a thing about it. You know, Alcoholics Anonymous said, if nothing changes, nothing changes real simple this simple program I missed it you know I just missed it you know and so nothing would change it's about as simple as that and that night I remember I went to my room and I didn't have anywhere to go I felt a loneliness that only few of us know even in these rooms even see this is soul sickness this is about being separated from God and being separated from others and not even knowing who you are. Hmm. I guess that separates you from too. It's called not being connected. There ain't nothing and It is empty. And the alcohol's not working. And I thought, I sat on that bed, and I thought, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Here's my thinking again. I'll go to Marysville Prison. That's what I'll do. Well, why not? I'm a dependent person, right? Everything is gone almost. When it's all gone, I'm going to Marysville. I planned it out. I know how to get there, not a Drugs, I'll, I'll, I'll keep possessing, I'll keep doing this, I'll put me on probation, do it again, do it again, do it again, I end up in Marysville. Three, three meals a day, huh? A cot and company. <laughs> wow, huh? Now, I have to just say this at this point. I'm a woman who wanted to be an attorney early on in life. You see? And I was offered chances to go to school and do that kind of stuff. You see, I wanted to be an attorney. I kind of thought I could do some good things maybe in life. And now here I am at 51 years of age. I'm planning my retirement in Marysville. There you go. demoralization. And that thought even scared me. The thought even scared me, and I hit my knees. And I asked God for mercy. I did not ask God for, to get sober, because I tried that many times. I asked God for mercy because I believed that I was going to die physically. And I, and I knew. And you know what? It was a prayer in my heart. I couldn't very well form any words at this point. I could hardly talk. And um, I asked for mercy. And I said I knew that I was a selfish person. I learned that from you. Uh, And I knew it that night. And when I got up from my knees, I remember I felt a movement in my heart. And I knew that my father heard that prayer. I knew it. But, you know, I was preparing to die. I guess, you know, I went back to the God of my childhood. Um, And I guess what I was doing, something I never believed in, and I was always in conflict with all my life, I was doing an act of contrition, I guess. But I'll tell you, God had other plans. You see, God had other plans. Three days later, and my, my first sponsoring Alcoholics Anonymous came to my home. She flew in from South Carolina. You see, wow. Wow. I didn't call her. You see, in my mind, I prayed you came. Wow. God doesn't ask to hard terms for those who seek him, huh? Mm-hmm. She came, she walked in my house, and she said, "Are you? do you want to be sober? And I told the truth for the first time in my life. I said to her, yes, I do, but I can't do it. She said, no, you can't, but we can. And I heard her. I heard her for the first time. And right then and there, I threw up my arms, and I begged her, please tell me what to do. Please tell me what to do. And I'm here to tell you, that I hope I gave you a clear picture when I came to Alcoholics Anonymous for two years pretty consistently with all those treatment centers how it didn't work for me because I did it my way. Now I want to tell you what I got when I did it your way. I got exactly what's written in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's exactly how I was sponsored and that's exactly what I got. Wow. I surrendered I did it your way. It's not even believable, is it? Mm-hmm. I detoxed at this woman's home. Okay? I didn't go to a treatment center. Here was my prescription. Alcoholics Anonymous and Vitamins. I stayed there five days. I was sick as a dog. You see, because I was the person that needed all that buprenex. Huh? That's what I needed when I went to treatment. I couldn't handle it. Uh Uh-uh. And I'll tell you, I was sick, but it wasn't that bad. You see, because I had surrendered to you. I was already part of the solution and didn't know it. I just needed you to keep walking with me like I do today. Hmm? You see, I made a decision. I love the old-timers when they talk about that. Don't you love the big book? We all know the psychopath. Huh? We're, we're, I love that one. You know, we're all familiar with that type, forever making a resolution and never a decision. I made a decision. I'll tell you, and I've got to say it, because I believe this, from the bottom of my heart, and I also believe another thing that the message we carry must have depth and weight. This is a spiritual program. I know that night that I had touched a power deep down inside myself. I didn't know it when it was happening, but I know it today. Only where God can be found, I call him God. Mm-hmm. And how do I know that? Because from the minute that woman came into my house and the minute Alcoholics Anonymous became a wee program, I have never turned around. It was like the willingness and the energy went from this direction to another direction. I didn't get Lily White. I'm still not. I make many mistakes, but I never turned back. Huh? Never turn back. I know I had a spiritual experience. That's all I did was ask God for mercy, sincerely.
1: Now, I started
0: to learn some things. And one thing that I learned was when I was in um, Hilton Head detoxing, and this is significant, the man said to me, Dolly, you keep talking about your problems. We don't talk about our problems here. We talk about our solution in these rooms. I heard them. I heard them. My sponsor at that time would say, You better read that big book. What the heck are you going to talk to us about in these rooms? Because everybody that circled me, every, see, they knew I wanted it. And I'm going to tell you something. You know how we are at Alcoholics Anonymous. When we know you want it, look out. We're on top of you. We'll do anything for you. Because we've got to pass this on for ourselves to stay sober. It's part of the whole deal. Yeah. I'll tell you, man, I, I, I never, you know, I have a ma- magnificent, uh, magnifying mind like Dr. Paul writes in the Big Book. Anything I concentrate on too much grows. Well, all the women around me never let me concentrate about my problems. You see, what they would tell me is we don't care how the jack butt, you know what I mean though. Got in the ditch, get her out. We don't care about the problem, you know, to some degree. What's the solution? What are we going to do? We begin living in the solution. It's a beautiful thing. No, I was about three months sober. I'm not going to bring you to a... I was about three months sober, and um doing great. I'm following directions. I mean, this is amazing. This is a person that couldn't, you know, look at me. I don't have any obsessions to use. Do you know what I did? You know how I lived? The obsession was removed. Was it wasn't removed because I went to therapy and want to talk about compulsive obsessive behavior. It was removed because I began to live the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Only God can remove an obsession. Only God changes a character. I know that firsthand. I know that from my own life. I've tried over and over again. I can never do it. i tried to change many times in my life. It just don't work for people like me. Three and ball player. Now I forgot where I was, but I'll pick up. Um, we'll go here. But I do remember. Ah, you see, thank you, God. Uh, about uh, a few months sober, life is going good. I mean, I never experienced the normalcy of living. Huh? We think that life is normal. Ever, the only thing I ever wanted is life is go to work, stop and buy a few groceries and go home. I can't even do that. You know? Life is getting normal. I'm feeling great. And I remember um, uh, we used to go to meetings and all of us would form a little group. You know, we kind of ran and in, in, we used to like to call it a posse. It's fun to run in groups. It's a great support system. You know, and, and we did that. we go to Denny's. After the meetings. And the meeting after the meeting was the best meeting there was, huh? There was a little old man in Mayfield Heights with 48 years sobriety, Han huh? Don Cassini, and he always would get me, like, oh, because I was so sensitive, so sensitive. He'd always tell me trying's lying, huh? That I don't know how to be honest with myself. And this got me one day. I sat there and I said, there yeah, and he's driving. I said, I'm a miracle. And he says to me, you're not a miracle. I thought, it's got to be so mean, this guy can't give me an inch, you know. He says, you're not a miracle, you're a drunk. I said, everybody's telling me I'm a miracle. He says, no. He said, you're a drunk alcoholic. Alcoholics Anonymous is a miracle, and you're privileged to be a part of it. That old man's right. That old man's right. You know, it was about this same period of time. I think I'm a spiritual giant. And I'm going to tell you exactly why. I got a little normal. I never get normal. This is feeling good. I must be wow. My feet were so, you know, my, my head was so up in the clouds. I'm not, you know, I'm not abused to another human being down here. But I think I'm of great value. And I'll tell you something. I love it. They told me that I should sponsor real early, and help the newcomer. God help you if you raised your hand and you said you were a newcomer. Boom, we were on you. We were on you. I gave you the 12 steps in five minutes. Huh? They're running away. And I used to say, I remember I would talk to my sponsor, and I'm saying, are you sure I'm supposed to do this? They're all running away. She would say, but you're staying sober. But I was staying sober. You know, and I remember I'm sitting at this Denny's, and everybody's talking, and... Um, uh, I'm thinking, wait a minute, this is getting out of hand. i got to monitor these people, right? Um, they're criticizing other people. I said, oh, no, stop. I said, get up, let me up, let me up. i got to get out of here. I'm going home. You guys are criticizing people. This is not Alcoholics Anonymous. i got three months sober, okay? Now, like, check this thing out, huh? I said, this is not Alcoholics Anonymous. I said, let me out. But they wouldn't. They're trying to talk to me, you know. I said, no. So guess what I did? I'm out. I'm out. I don't want to be like, what, you know, what they're doing. I got in my big dirty boots on. I had my jeans were three sizes. I must have been five, three sizes minimum too big. I think I'm 15, you know, walking around. I got up and walked on the table, across the table. I <laughs> did Jumped down and said, I'm out of here. You have nothing. And I left. And I went home and called my sponsor. Because I had to tell my sponsor what was going on in this Cleveland, Ohio, and how bad this behavior is in alcoholism. And I'll never forget that night. My sponsor told me this. Just get a piece of paper and pencil, Dolly. And she told me, write this down. And she said, spiritually guided, not emotionally driven. She said, put that in your big book, and we didn't discuss it. I'm here to tell you today I think she gave me the whole deal that night. The whole program of alcoholics and animals. Spiritually guided my relationships with others. You. Yeah. And I get that guidance from God. Yeah. My mother died. I lived with my mother for six years in totally in my sobriety. I didn't return to work. I had an early retirement. My mother died May 13. And that's about a month ago. And I miss my mother very, very much. But I have to tell you something, I made amends to my mother, you know? And I was taking care of her, and uh, I remember one, one day, my mother said to me, Dolly, I couldn't live without you. And it hit my heart, not my head. And I felt that movement, that same movement that I felt six years ago when I was on my knees. And I knew that I had made it right. I made it right. I didn't make it even, but I made it right. And right is good. How do you, when my mother died, I held her hand. Me. I held my mother's hand. I was able to talk to her. How do you repay such a priceless gift? How How do I repay? How many girls do I need to sponsor? How many talks do we need to give? How many meetings? How many whatever? How do you repay a priceless gift?